Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we'll be discussing Kosti Hinn and his recent skirmish with Michael O'Fallon, Doug Wilson, and G3 Ministries. We're going to be talking about this and how this conflict has ended in a joint statement for now, at the very least. And it seems like this is a story that has a happy ending, despite the tumultuous path that it took. And we're going to be talking about this very complicated story in hopefully the most succinct way possible on YouTube. And I have an article that is written over at Evangelical Dark Web, which will be the backdrop for this video. And don't forget to check that out also. This will have more sources. Unfortunately, with this story, this story has resulted in Costi Han deleting much of his uh, social media post as it related to this story, which will, you know, make some of the evidence not viewable because we didn't just capture screenshots of everything. So with that said, we I do want to preserve the record of this story as much as possible uh, because I think this story does matter and it is something to look at, especially, you know, I think Costi Hinn is a good guy. There's no reason to question his salvation or even legitimacy. But when it comes to discernment, I don't necessarily think uh, he has the most ground to call out people that are also doing discernment type of things. People like Michael O'Fallon, people like Doug Wilson, and people like G3 Ministries, which I believe he has also been a part of. So don't forget to like the video, also subscribe to the channel. So let's dive right on into this uh, story. So Costi Hinn, if you're unfamiliar with him, he is the nephew of Benny Hinn, the very famous prosperity preacher and faith healer. And being transformed from being a part of Benny Hinn's empire to being a faithful Christian pastor is part of the appeal and transformation of the Holy Spirit that is at work in Costi Hinn's life. It has also been the backdrop of a parachurch ministry that he began um, titled, um, I believe it's called uh, Fighting for the Faith or for the, Go for the Gospel Ministries, sorry, for the Gospel Ministries. Uh, and it's earned him a top spot in Big Eva. Like he's been writing for the Gospel Coalition. He's also written for Religion News Services, which is a major red flag, by the way, because there's the Gospel Coalition, which is on the edge of a cliff of orthodoxy and then way at the bottom of the cliff is religion news services that in and of itself is a little bit of a red flag but what he actually wrote in the rns is actually also a concern which we will talk about shortly in this video so over the past couple of weeks costi hen has come out hard against doug wilson and largely, he's been relying on material produced and influenced by this group called Exposing Moscow, which is a liberal or Facebook group, let's just call it that, that is devoted to taking down Doug Wilson. They have an obsession with him. And to be honest, you know, Doug Wilson has been routinely accused of federal vision. However, the concept of federal vision does not have a coherent definition. There are so many beliefs that fall under the category of federal vision. Some of them are heretical. Others are just deeply errant, but still 
possibly under the uh, umbrella of orthodoxy. But some of the other beliefs, much of which, which Doug Wilson identifies with, are actually benign or just repackaged ways of speaking orthodox truths and theology. So federal vision has no coherent definition. And Doug Wilson has distanced himself from the term because he does not believe that it can act adequately represent his beliefs because of how the term has very little meaning, but much of a charge to it. So Doug Wilson has definitely transformed uh, from someone who embraced the term federal vision, but you know always wanted to define it for himself to someone who's backed away from the term because there really is no way to define it for yourself. It's just a term that really has very little meaning. Uh, and because of all the weird stuff that's attached to it, like, you know, redefining communion, uh, that's just one of the weird beliefs and the new perspectives on Paul, there is not a coherent definition of what falls under federal vision. It's just not a coherent theology. Yet, nonetheless, Cosby Hinn was routinely calling him a heretic, spiritual abuser, and a detriment to the cause of advancing Christ in the culture. These are things that Cosby Hinn accused Doug Wilson of being. However, Costi Hinn in the, same pro in the same process was also double speaking on this about whether he was really calling Doug Wilson a heretic. There's a lot of double speak on this issue. Uh, you are promoting material that directly accuses him of such heresy. And you are also trying to backpedal once being called out that, no, I didn't really mean it like that. And that's kind of what we saw from Costi Hinn as it relates to Doug Wilson. Now, the the real objection to Doug Wilson from groups like Exposing Moscow has a lot more to do with conservative masculinity than it does with federal vision. I think federal vision is largely a false objection when it comes to criticism of Doug Wilson. doesn't mean it's a false objection for everyone, but for groups like Exposing Moscow, No Compromise Radio, I think it's a false objection. Additionally, Michael, uh, Michael O'Fallon has also been the target of Costi Hen. Now, this actually has a lot more backstory to it. And I'm just going to show you some screenshots that are in the article that I cite because it, it provides some more context to this. So, this has a lot more to do with James Lindsay. Now, James Lindsay, I have gone after... Or now I have called out the church for platforming James Lindsay because I do believe he is a one-trick pony. He is a grifter. And critical race theory is an easy topic to understand. I don't see the reason why we, we don't need James Lindsay. And I think Costi Hinn is pretty correct on his criticism of using James Lindsay. However, there's a huge difference between me leveling this criticism and Costi Hinn leveling this same criticism. And this the difference is that Costi Hinn wasn't right on the issue of critical race theory until 2021. Costi Hinn went a little woke in 2020. He didn't go full woke. He didn't go Matt Chandler. Uh, he didn't go J.D. Greer. But he did go a little woke. 
he did go beyond what I would have viewed as acceptable. Now, I don't think he went full heretic, but he compromised a little bit on critical race theory in 2020, and he has since come out against it in 2021. This is a fact. But when you talk about the relationship between Michael O'Fallon and Costi Hinn, Michael O'Fallon has come out against Costi Hinn. I'm just going to show you a screenshot of one reason why, because, you know, in 2020, Costi Hinn was promoting wearing your mask is loving your neighbor. He was promoting that nonsense. And Costi and Michael O'Fallon did come out against Costi Hinn in the same year, saying, Think on this. For the last year, we heard from Joe Carter and Costi Hinn to simply reject conspiracy theories. And we have endured conspiracy after conspiracy in the United States over the past year. And now the final conspiracy nail in the coffin. Patriots, it's time to act. I guess that's in reference to the election. But this just shows that Costi Hinn was a little compromising in... 2020. I don't think he was as compromising in 2021, and I have no reason to suggest he's as compromising other than this situation in 2022. Um, however, however, there, there's more to it than this. I, I do believe Kasi Hinn went a little bit woke. He didn't go full woke, and for that reason, he really does not have the moral high ground, Anakin, Kasi Hinn, to call out Michael O'Fallon for platforming James Lindsay because he was not aware on the issue to be found while when Michael O'Fallon was first platforming James Lindsay. That's a fact. He, d he doesn't have the high ground here because he was nowhere to be found. In fact, in 2020, you could argue with the martyrdom of St. George Floyd, Costihan compromised bigly. So, with that said, he's also put on the same level as Joe Carter by Michael O'Fallon, which I think is a fascinating comparison because, again, Costian has had very kind words to say about Ed Stetzer and even affirmatively quotes Beth Moore, which I'm going to talk about now because he also had beef with Jenna Ellis. He basically came out against G3 Ministries platforming Jenna Ellis in one of their events. Now, this also led to accusatory statements by Kasi Hinn on his Culture War podcast or podcast series on the Culture War. And it seems like the main criticism of Kasi Hinn was against forming unholy alliances. Unholy alliances. So I just need to point out the fact that Benny, or not Benny, Costi Hinn has unholy alliances of his own. The RNS article, which he affirmatively cites heretic Beth Moore. He affirmatively cites a heretic in a pagan publication. Or apostate might be a better way to put it. Uh, additionally, he has written for the Gospel Coalition. These are unholy alliances. And yet he's calling out people for associating with people that associate with Trump. He's call, he, I guess he had an issue with Jenna Ellis because Jenna Ellis was just one of the people around Trump. And there wasn't enough calling out of 
the other heretics that were not other heretics as in Jenna Ellis is a heretic, but he wasn't calling out the, that she wouldn't call out say Paula white for being around Donald Trump. So he took issue with the people in evangelicalism that were promoting conservatism, but not calling out people like Paula white, Rodney Howard Brown and the like. But the, this really falls flat because first of all, this is 2022 Trump is not in office, so I don't. This criticism now is kind of bizarre or dated, unless you have evidence of people like Jenna Ellis promoting Paula White to appease Trump, which we have evidence of Franklin Graham, uh, I believe Jack Graham and Greg Lowry doing just that, and I believe some of them actually took those down, so we're not going to roast them over that, but we do remember that that these things happened during the Trump presidency. However, I believe that was 2019. However, Jenna Ellis and maybe the people at G3 never really be found on that issue. So those are the three overarching conflicts that undergird this entire issue with Costi Hinn and various conservatives that are in the fight. Frankly, more in the fight than he is because... You know, as far as discernment goes, Benny Hinn is low-hanging fruit. If he were a low-hanging fruit, Benny Hinn would be a pumpkin. And going after such low-hanging fruit isn't the most useful. I'm not saying it's useless. It would be useless for me to jump in and go after people like Benny Hinn all day. I say go after in quotes. Um, because I don't really, there, there's nothing really personal here. I don't have a personal vested interest in going after Costi Hinn here. This is just a story that I'm trying to break down for an audience that is interested in topics like this. And I do think that this story does have a happy ending. And that's also what I want to focus on in this. Um, Costi Hinn deleted much of his material, which includes podcast and Twitter that condemned and accused and made false accusations. And he put out a statement with G3 Ministries on Friday. And I'm going to read the statement right now. The G3 Ministries, I'll pull it up. The the statement comes from both pastoral and ministerial position. The purpose of this letter is aimed at addressing the accusations I made towards G3 Ministries. So just to be clear, the scope isn't towards Michael O'Fallon or Doug Wilson. However, he has deleted much of the material that he put out that condemned those two. After meeting up with my brothers from G3, along with church elders for and for the gospel leadership, is it has become clear that I am wrong to involve G3 ministries in accusations and inflammatory statements that center on personal conflict between myself and another individual. Furthermore, it is always imperative to follow the biblical pattern in the midst of personal conflict with the central goal of restore restoration for the glory of God. Amen. Uh, G- the G3 ministries team are beloved brothers who have heard me been gracious with me and exercise restraint in this situation in ways I cannot other I cannot thank them enough for. We've agreed to make we've agreed to both make statements to help mitigate confusion and maintain unity 
within the universal bride of Christ. I was blinded by personal frustrations and conflict and thus pursued justice rather than following the biblical given uh, pattern given to preserve unity, which is useful. Now, this is a little bit of a problematic statement just because of, you know, pursued justice. Uh, I, I do believe pursuing biblical justice sometimes merits above biblical unity or preserving the unity of the church simply because you can't abide with heretics or uh, people that are overtly sinning and unrepentant in the church. You can't abide that regardless of how the unity, you know, things like that may shatter the church. You can't abide by that. So biblical justice, I think, should take precedent over unity. But I think he might have a skewed definition of justice here. But again, Kassihan has only been right on the issue of critical race theory and cultural Marxism for since 2021. So you might not have a wholly uh, redeveloped, reconfirmed biblical view of justice at the time of this writing. I, I, I'm a little confused as to whether justice is skewed uh, towards a worldly definition and not a biblical definition. So that'd be my biggest issue with this statement. Um. I have apologized to Josh Bruce, Buse, Use, and the G3 ministry team, and they have granted me forgiveness for the sin of presumption and the sin of false accusation. This was short-sighted and exposes in my heart a zeal that needs to be tempered in the midst of the culture war we ought to be fighting side by side. I ask that everyone who reads this forgive me for involving G3. I will pursue private course of action should further conflict arise. This is important to me to learn from because the name of Christ, his mission for us on earth, and the biblical pattern for pastors and church leaders calls for that. As for the next steps, I have spoken with my elders and the For the Gospel leadership team regarding the following course of actions. All posts from the Cultural War series have been removed. I have apologized and asked forgiveness from G3 team. I will trust the elders and, and leaders in my life more fully, looking to them in private counsel before making public statements or putting out resources. I will consider the influence that God has given me and use so, and media platforms uh, with wisdom and prudence, knowing that Twitter is not a place to flippantly engage in theological or methodological war. And I'm glad he said flippantly because that is that, that was good of him to say flippantly and not at all. Because it is a great place to make, to fight spiritual battles and to take shots at enemies within the church. It is not a great place to do it flippantly. Um, I will take the next few weeks to pray, seek wise counsel, and put out further pastoral reflections on For the Gospel blog as I continue to learn from this mistake. I will place myself at the mercy of godly men who, who can direct me in whatever course of action they deem biblical and best. I will seek to to now no i guess is that the, that's a typo my entire no patterns i will seek to now pattern my entire life now that's not a typo that's just a weirdly worded sentence after the meekness that christ models knowing that truth strength is strength under control i pray that in these days and years ahead i can be more humble useful and mature tool in the master's hand and will look back on this lesson in all the years the Lord may grant me in Christ Costi Hin. 
I think that's a decent statement. Again, I had a little bit of qualms about some of the language that he used. Um, and this is a happy story for everyone except for the liberal social media hordes that were egging on Costi Hinn to just attack more theological conservatives in the church. Everyone else, I believe, is having a happy ending on this. I do believe that I'm under the impression that Costi Hinn is reaching out to other leaders that he has uh, come out and attacked. Uh, but I also got to say this. There are probably legitimate concerns that Costi Hinn has. I don't want to discount his concerns. I believe that they were very, they were probably very personal and pastoral in nature. He did reference personal frustrations. And, you know, he's apologizing for taking it out on the wrong people and accusing the wrong people out of these personal frustrations. So I think this was a big thing. This is a happy ending because Kasi Hinge could have just been like any of the other Big Eva hacks that would never apologize for their flippant accusations on the brethren and their slander on the brethren. Kasi Hinge... Uh, showed himself to be a man here. Uh, I think he came across as unhinged in the beginning and is now hinged once more, and you love to see that. And that's why I want to tell this story. Uh, otherwise, um, this is the Evangelical Dark Web. If you like this kind of content, subscribe to the channel. Uh, have a blessed day, and I will catch you on the next one.